The Chargers came up short in pulling off a big upset against the Buffalo Bills, which in long term is best case scenario for them. But I think better than that, though, was the fact that they actually showed some fight and gave their fans something to be proud of. You are locked on Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together now for eight seasons, but this is our sixth year as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. I hope everyone had a great holiday and thank you guys for making us your first listen as always. And to make sure you don't miss the show, go subscribe or follow for free on the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcast from. David, what do we got today? Today, Daniel, we are going to recap the Chargers' latest loss to the Buffalo Bills, 24-22. to The Chargers showed a lot of fight. They definitely were a motivated football team. They wanted to get the win. They unfortunately fell short, but they kept their draft position improving. And Dicker, the kicker, is amazing. He hit five field goals in this football game, and he's just continuing to solidify his Pro Bowl nod. Absolutely. He better get it. We're all hoping that he gets it. And I think you also got to see the differences between, you know, Giff Smith and Brandon Saley on fourth downs because of yep. all those five field goal attempts. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And David, in this game, we thought it could be a bloodbath, right? What else could you really expect after getting whooped 63-21 to 21 by yeah. the Raiders on Thursday Night Football? Had a little bit of extra time, but also went through an entire regime change of cleaning house. Brandon Staley, Tom Telesco out the door. And Giff Smith left to pick up the pieces with this team. And I think what you wanted to see was something less embarrassing than that Thursday night, right? A team that looked like they wanted it. A team that looked like they were fighting for the game and fighting to win games, right? And that's so far from what we saw in that embarrassment on Thursday night football. And I think there's a certain point in the game where I'm watching and it's like, first of all, I kind of want the Chargers to win, even though I know it's bad for their draft position and stuff. But like, look how close they are to pulling off this mind-boggling upset, right? But also it's like, you know what? There's some pride here. Like the Chargers are playing for pride. And, and more than that, like, you're like, you know what? I'm kind of proud of the way these guys went out there and performed in this game. I feel I felt the same exact thing when I when I was watching the game. Obviously, we all know it, the Chargers losing is ultimately what's best for them long term. It gets them the highest draft pick in every round to be able to give your new general manager, new head coach, whoever they may be, the highest level of armament that you possibly can. And you know, it's a high draft pick that they can use to improve the football team. But the Chargers look different. The energy was different. They were playing with some pride. They were playing with some fight. It was obvious. It looked dramatically different. And maybe that was just because, you know, they, they, they just lost their head coach and they lost their general manager and they wanted to go out there and prove themselves and prove what they are capable of doing and prove that they can go out there and win a football game when all the odds were stacked against them. They ultimately did not get it done, but that looked a lot different, and it looked a lot more entertaining. Yeah, it was definitely that, right? They kept it competitive. It definitely seemed like they responded to the message of Giff Smith, and obviously when you see all the things floating around about the kind of mixed messaging this team was receiving from Brandon Staley, 
We're hoping to talk about that tomorrow, kind of the downfall there. This was a different environment. This was a different kind of energy that this team was putting out there. And like they took it upon themselves. Hey, we're not going to get embarrassed today. You think you're going to walk all over us. But it took them a, you know, last minute game winning field goal for the Bills to get it done. Right. And the Chargers like, you know, one more play defensively made on that last drive. They come away with a big, gigantic win against yeah. a Buffalo Bills team who has been red hot. Right. Yeah. Like that. That was not the up and down, you know, Buffalo Bills that had kind of squandered most of the season. Like that was a very, very tough team they were playing who was getting hot at the right time. And the Chargers still took them to the brink. Wow. You know, because we talk about tanking and stuff like that. And before that, it was always we never thought the players would stop trying. Right. Like, yeah. It did not. look like it on that Thursday night football. It but did. like when you're saying something like that, you're like, hey, you're not going to have enough firepower because you're missing guys like Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa and Corey Lindsley. Right. So it's just like you're probably going to lose these games because you're just going to be outgunned. You're going to be yeah. outmatched. You're going to get outmuscled in these games, out talented. Right. Right. But you still want them to fight, and you still want yeah. to show the prospective GM and all those things that this team is still close, that this team is competitive, and most importantly, maybe, hey, this is just a team that wasn't being used correctly. This is a team that if you actually put these guys in the right position to succeed, there are some guys here to work with, right? So I think that's why it was best-case scenario for me because the Chargers lose a tough, hard-fought game. At the same time, they still find a way to help their draft position because now you come out of the weekend sitting sixth in the draft we're talking about 10th last week right and now we're saying hey can the chargers get to the top five still going to need some help to get into that top five but already you're sitting at six tied with the titans as far as your record and they the chargers have a tied in strength of schedule so they hold the tiebreaker over there right now over the titans right and the strength of schedule could change the last two weeks but david now you're that much closer to sitting right there at the top of the draft with a chance to take a premium player in the top five or six picks it, I mean, it, it's incredibly valuable. And also, with the fact that you have a franchise quarterback, it's so incredibly rare. It just does not happen when you have that guy because nine times out of ten, when you're in the top five or top ten, that is, it's because you don't have a quarterback already on the roster that you believe in, that you know that can get you where you ultimately want to go. Obviously, you know, this year has kind of been a weird one with all of the quarterback injuries. It's been yeah. uh, very, very abnormal. But the Chargers are sitting in a position to where now you know you're going to get a premium pick and you know you have Justin Herbert so and you have him locked up for the next five seasons. So now it's about how can I improve this football team, not just in one place, but in many different places because there's a yeah. lot of holes that they have to fix. They have a lot of draft uh, capital to be able to do that. And they're going to need it because they're so far over the cap. There's going to be some big decisions that are going to need to be made in this offseason. And so the fact that they are able to get those high draft picks, it's so much more valuable because they just don't have the money to go out there and spend on free agents. Exactly, which is going to make things tough for someone like we're going to talk about, like Olohi Gilman, right? He's been one of the best players defensively, but you're going to be in a tough situation next year. But I think the better thing, too, is also just being at the top where you have so much leverage to have multiple decisions you can make. You can sit there and take a top pick. But like you're right, this is how Joe Burrow gets Jamar Chase, right? How... Tua Tungavailoa gets Jalen Waddle, right? It's yeah. because, you know, guys get hurt. The team has bad seasons, and you get a premium draft pick like the Chargers have. So what can they turn that into? Either a top player, because this team seems to be lacking a lot of just top-end talent besides the guys who are potentially getting cut, right, or the guys that have been off-injured for this team. So, like, you need more premium talent. This is going to, you know, give you the best shot at that. And I think 
the only reason for this game that that's it's great is just because you saw both of it you you have a better chance at those guys at the top but you also saw this team compete and i think a big part of that was easton stick david and when he is not making the disaster plays he actually went out there and looked pretty good i mean we're obviously comparing him on the scale of backups but i think that was probably his best performance so far I mean, it absolutely was. I mean, 23 of 33 for 215 yards and, and a rushing touchdown. He completed the pass to nine different receivers. I thought that the game plan was incredibly, you know, uh, He was creative. helped out by Kellen Moore, for sure. Yeah, Kellen, Kellen Moore was in his bag, uh, yeah. for sure. I mean, it was a very creative game plan. Wish we would have saw plan. more of that with Justin Herbert. I think <laughs> you, could, you could beg, you know. Yes, I would absolutely love to see more of that with Justin Herbert. But you saw uh, a lot of, you know, the, the the read options. You saw a lot of, you know, creative formations. Runs. Yeah, yeah you, the, you saw a, the pocket. Yeah, you saw a lot of different things to help, you know, uh, the quarterback out and, and get Easton Stick in some advantageous positions. And to his credit, Easton Stick was very accurate with the football. Besides, you know, getting, you know, hammered on third and long. I mean, anytime he yeah. was in third and long, he, he got smashed. The pass protection, it did not hold up just like it hasn't held up all season long. And, you know, Easton Stick is not Justin Herbert in the pocket. He just doesn't have right. that pocket presence or that ability to escape. But he played exceptionally well. And you see what happens when he's able to get some reps. He's able to get some practice reps. He's able to go out there and play the quarterback position competently in the National Football League. And I think what you're seeing from him is him fighting for that potential long-term backup spot Absolutely. behind the Chargers. Like, obviously, he hopes he starts somewhere, I'm sure. Hey, but Charlie like, Whitehurst made a lot of money like holding the clipboard. For this team, though, right now. But another guy that looked really, really good and pretty much kind of single-handedly kept the Chargers in this game defensively was Alohi Gilman, who has been balling out this season and now makes a very tough decision for the Chargers going into 2024 because how can they – not retain him having him be the best safety they've had this year and one of their best defensive players so we're going to talk about that coming up right after this first though i need to tell you guys that as the weather gets cold the nfl offers stay hot on fanduel and right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that means you can go pick the team with the biggest spread this upcoming weekend as long as that team wins by even a point you can win $150 in bonus dollars, and that's $150. All you have to do is have your team win. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the Chargers are opening up as a five-and-a-half-point underdog on the road against the Broncos in Denver in Week 17. And if they play the way they played against the Bills, not hard to think that they could cover that. So if you want to go anything with covering the spread, play your props over-unders, you can do all of that on FanDuel and so much more. But... If you're getting really crazy, you could even go with the Chargers to pull off the money line upset at plus 188 this weekend if you think they're actually going to be frisky against the Broncos. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season in style. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. One of the things that really stood out in this game was just the Chargers defense and how much more connected, I would say, for the most part, they played. Like the Chargers had a very solid defensive performance, but I think it looked a lot better because they set their offense up with a lot in a lot of good positions. And they did that because of Alohi Gilman for the most part, right? So this part is called Aloha to Alohi. Hello. I mean, what a game from Alohi Gilman forcing two turnovers, forced fumble on James Cook late in that game that kept the Chargers in it and gave them a scoring opportunity. And also had the interception off of Josh Allen, a really good recovery play, covering Stephon Diggs and making a play, high-pointing the football on a slightly underthrown ball. But this has been one of the you know biggest playmakers for the Chargers this year. He has three forced fumbles so far this season. He's had multiple times where you see him making a big play on fourth down, 
to get a fourth down stop. And that doesn't count really in the books as far as how many turnover on downs you're forcing. But he has a good handful of them this year, too. It seems like in those big moments, Alohi Gilman's been the most consistent guy in that secondary to come up and make plays. And he's been doing it at a high level, and you saw it all kind of come to fruition in this game. I got to hit the lights for Alohi Gilman. <laughs> Alohi Gilman had a fantastic performance in this one. And For the like podcast said, audience, David is wearing a Christmas sweater that lights up a Chargers Christmas sweater. So he's lighting it up for Alohi Gilman. Yes, my bad. I'm sorry to, to our podcast listeners. I, I should have explained that. But Alohi Gilman has had a knack for making the big plays this year. It just seems like... Whenever the Chargers have needed a turnover, it's been him that's been able to produce that turnover. And you would be surprised, but he's one of the highest graded defenders on the Chargers, according to PFF. He has an 81.1 overall grade with good run defense grade and good coverage grades. So, I mean, he's been a pretty consistent performer. Has he been beat this year? Yes, of course. All of the Chargers defenders have been beat this year. But I think if you're talking about consistency, just from a game-in, game-out basis, I think Alohi Gilman's been one of the most consistent performers on this Chargers team. And I put it out there. I felt like Alohi Gilman has earned himself a contract extension. I have no idea how the Chargers make it work, obviously looking at the books. But just looking at it with my eyes and watching him you know, every single week, I see a guy who knows where he's supposed to be that understands the defense and goes out there and he makes plays. And the thing is, is now he's turned himself into the number one unrestricted free agent the Chargers have to try to bring back, right? I mean, even passing someone like Austin Eckler, who had a pretty good game in this one. And passing, yeah, he looked you know, better. Michael Davis, Sebastian Joseph Day has been waived. Austin Johnson's gone. Like, the Chargers are going to have some guys hit the streets and guys playing some really, really important snaps. Kenneth Murray not coming back in 2024, more than likely. Eric Kendricks, definitely a cap casualty potentially in 2024, right? Depending on who this next coach is and how they think they're going to use these guys. But it's hard for me to imagine whoever that next coach that's coming in doesn't want to consider trying to make it work to bring back somebody like Alohi Gilman. I wonder kind of what the national interest is going to be around him. Hopefully he's the Chargers kind of best kept secret. But I think the other hard thing here too is like, what I've talked a little bit about before, which is him and Derwin kind of at least having some kind of redundant skill sets, yeah. right? Where like Alohi Gilman, obviously he made a, a play in the deep part of the field and we've seen him do that this year. I do think he's limited athletically to try to have him play like a deep half or something like that consistently. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I still think he's been the best Chargers player to do that this year. At the same time, I think a lot of this has to do with, you know, what the Chargers and the next head coach kind of thinks of Derwin James. And we saw a much different role for Derwin James in this game, David, where yeah. He was playing almost exclusively in the star position, which is the slot cornerback position, basically, you know, near the line of scrimmage, playing in the slot. And he had much less snaps than we've seen from him normally. What did you think about Derwin James's new role? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at Derwin James, you know, he's he's a prototype d defender, but he does most of his best work yeah. close to the line of scrimmage. So. I like that kind of difference in his role. I feel like, you know, when you have a guy like Derwin who has so many different abilities, has so many different talents, it's got to be tempting as a coach to try to want to use him as a Band-Aid for the rest of your defense, which I think, unfortunately, Brandon Staley did way too much of for Derwin. And I think giving Derwin James just kind of one specific role saying, hey, this is what I'm going to have you do. These are, these are the things that I want you to accomplish. 
uh, and just turn him loose to do that, I, I think, you know, is something that is going to be good for Derwin James. I think that's you know the, the kind of the best role that he should be in to use his physicality in the running game to be able to cover tight ends, uh, cover those guys that you put in the slot. He can do that. You know, he has that ability and and it's it's definitely different. It's different not seeing him on the field all the time. He actually played, you know, the least amount of snaps he played all season before this game and the other 13 games that Derwin James played, he had played at least 52 snaps in every single other game besides this game that we saw. Uh, and it's definitely a different look. I mean, it's a different look, but I think it's a good change for Derwin James. Yeah, per Daniel Popper, the least amount of snaps played in his career besides games where he was either injured or ejected, right? So this is the least he had ever played. And I think what Daniel Popper pointed out, too, which I think is equally important, is just that when this game came down to it, they were in nickel, something that Derwin James would have been on the field for. And on third and eight with the game on the line, they had Derwin James sitting on the bench. And obviously with his play, I can't totally blame them for that, right? And I do think yeah. that he played better in this game. Like, I I, I disagree with PFF's grade on him in this one. I agree one. with that as I well. think he got beat on one third down where he had outside leverage and got beat on a slant. I didn't yeah. think that was a big deal, but didn't miss any big tackles, right? Got yeah. in, got a pressure that forced a, you know, throw away basically. That was a big play, too. By Josh Allen, right? Helped him play. get off the field on a third down. I think the big thing is, though, is like you can't pay, you know, top of the line safety money to an occasional slot cornerback. Yeah, you, no, can. you absolutely can. You can. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's like, where is the bar where you're still trying to get the most out of him? Right. But like still feel like you're getting some of your money's worth and maybe getting your money's worth is out the window at this point. But I think for him, it's just like, you know, yes, he played better. He didn't miss any tackles. I just wonder in these last two games how much better he could possibly make us feel about what that contract looks like right now. Because like if both guys were unrestricted free agents going into 2024, you would want Alohi Gilman back before you want Derwin James back. And that's something I didn't think I would say. But I think overall, this game, I mean, showed, you know, hey, this defense, when they're put in the right position, they, they can they can compete, right? Even against a, a good offense like the Buffalo Bills. I thought they played very physically, especially in run defense, right? Average, you know, allowed an average of three and a half yards per carry. And I think really just came down to two big plays they allowed. It's a 57-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis, which had, you know, Kenneth Murray, who took the took the hit on that, even though I'm not sure if he was supposed to be the one covering him down. Yeah, the field. I doubt he it. was the one that it was attributed to, right? But it was also that last zero blitz that Giv Smith talked about uh, in his press conference saying, hey, like, Josh Allen's out there throwing up a prayer, and you just have a guy sitting there wide open at the end of the game yeah. that puts him in field goal range, you know? Yeah, he said, like, nine times out of ten, that's a pick. Sure, yeah, and, and he said about Derwin, we really want him to play close to the line and playing fast. He played really well. He really did. So encouraging yeah. that he liked his performance. He said it was kind of a game plan specific thing to only yeah. have him out there as much as he was. We'll see <laughs> over the last couple of weeks because, I mean, it, it's nice to see him doing a little less, but also doing more was always kind of the calling card of Derwin James and, and what right. made him so special, right, was his versatility. You can't beg for versatility, and also want him to play, you know, one specific role and have him play super fast. You can't have it both ways, right? And if you're right. just having him play in one certain role so he can play fast and you have to tailor a lot of things around that, is he still worth the money at this point, right? So he's still a team captain. They love him, obviously, off the field. On the field has been a concerning issue, and I don't know if we're going to see it fixed before the end of 2023. But we do have more to get into, including... Cameron Dicker and why I was putting out on Twitter during the game. Go ahead and just sign that man to a 10-year contract right now because Cameron Dicker is the truth 
and also kind of gave us a glimpse of how Giff Smith is going to be handling these fourth downs through the rest of the season. And it's a lot different than what we saw from Brandon Staley. Another big thing was even with Giff Smith, there's still a couple of young defenders that can't get on the field. And that's a little concerning. So we're going to talk about that coming up right after this. I do want to tell you guys, though, about game time, buying your favorite tickets to your favorite events. And it shouldn't be stressful because with game time, you know you're getting the best price because the game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price because if you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So you don't have to go around you know, comparing, contrasting all of those things. When you go to game time, you know if there's a cheaper ticket out there, you will get 100% reimbursed, so you have nothing to worry about. And there's a reason it's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. You, another great thing I think about it, especially for when you're going to sporting events or concerts and things like that, always being able to see the view from your seat, right? The last thing you want to do is get to your seat and realize that you have some funky view that you can't see the stage or the concert that you're watching, or you're stuck behind some, you know, pillar or something or even like field level seats sometimes like sometimes you can't see over the players you should want to know that before you go to those seats right with game time you take the guesswork out of buying tickets so download the game time app create an account and use the code lockdown nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply but again that's create an account redeem the code l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n nfl for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed David, I want to get into some very good things that came out of this game, including, you know, Cameron Dicker getting to show the leg off. And, man, like, it's hard to explain to younger Charger fans, like, how much we had to go through to find a kicker that's as good as Cameron Dicker is. And I'll tell you exactly why I'm 100% sold on Cameron Dicker and I'm ready to write the blank check. But Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus the national shows covering every league. So go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Dicker. Dicker is my kicker, you know, and what a game. I think one of the things about Brandon Staley was, David, is he went for it so often on fourth down, you could forget that you have one of the best kickers in the league sitting on your sideline. But me and you have gone through a lot as, you know, people who have been fans and covering and following the Chargers for as long as we have. Oh, yeah. Having a kicker like Cameron Dicker is something I'm never going to take for granted. Like Cameron Dicker, so good in this game, five for five on his field goals and single-handedly kind of carried this offense to being in it when it mattered most, including putting them up with 526 left in the fourth quarter. He gave them a lead in what would have been, you know, one of the biggest upsets in franchise history. Cameron Dicker has been an absolute revelation to watch. <laughs> I mean, I, I and I think Daniel is not overstating it when, you know, I, I think, you know, on a couple of different episodes, Daniel's rattled off about 15 different kickers that the Chargers have cycled I always through have it ready to the, go. the last several years. It, it's been crazy. So you have to take a moment here and appreciate what Cameron Dicker has brought to the table. And here's what it is. 45 of 47 in his career, okay? Yeah. That's two missed field goals in his entire career. Never missed an extra point. 95.7 career hit percentage, and here's my favorite one right here. In 2023, Cameron Dicker from 50-plus is five of six yeah. this season. That right there is music to my ears. It is a beautiful weapon to have a kicker that has the confidence and the track record of ability to go out there and make the kicks 
whatever the situation is, whether the game is yeah. on the line, whether you need to hit from 50 plus, doesn't matter. Cameron Dicker's the man, and he has shown it thoroughly throughout his se- his season and his short career. Yeah, and like Dustin Hopkins, since he's been traded, has been great for the Browns and hit a bunch of 50 plus. But like for the Chargers, I think he was three of eight in his career from yeah. 50 plus, and he's like the best Chargers kicker. And to what David's talking about, yeah, I mean, like you go Roberto Aguayo, Nick Rose, Tristan Viscaino, Michael Badgley, Young Waku, Josh Lambeau. Like there's so many guys that they had to go through, right? Nick, I mean, Nick Novak is another one, right? Yeah. Kai Long was a punter and a kicker for the Chargers. At one point, yeah, Nick Rose, I think I said that one, but, like, Taylor Bertolette and another one, yeah. right? Like, I mean, but they at the one point, they literally thought Roberto Aguilar, like, the biggest bus kicker of all time was the answer because their kicking situation was so bad. And, like, people bought into the money badger, right? And we called yeah. him the money badger. I'm not having those same concerns with Cameron Dicker. I mean, we've seen him put the chargers up. We've seen him make game-winning field goals. We've seen him make game-winning field goals for two separate teams in the same season, right? He did miss one in the playoff game against the Jaguars, right? And he's missed one this year. That's it. Those are That's the only it. kicks he's ever missed. Seems like he's good in the moment. Get this man to the Pro Bowl. Go to our Twitter. We'll put a tweet out there or an X out there to help him get to the Pro Bowl because that man Definitely. absolutely deserves it. But what we also saw, David, was how safe Giff Smith was going to play it on fourth down. And I think a lot of people so many times with Brandon Staley were like, take the points, take the points, take the points. And I think you saw in this game, right, Cameron Dicker is hitting five field goals in this game because they're not going for it on those fourth downs. But at the same time, that's 15 points, which almost single-handedly kind of kept them in this game, right? And I think there's something to be said about, okay, doing it a little bit differently. They played a little bit more conservative, and I think for the most part, it worked out for them. Yeah, no, obviously there's that one situation where, you know, it, they're right in the goal line where you're the first you know, one. A part right, of you're, you. you're on the two yard line. It's fourth yeah. and goal from the two. That's probably yeah. the only one that analytically would say go for it. Right, right. So, yeah, on that one, you're like, yeah, I don't know. And I if you go, go for there. that, you know, maybe that changes everything. That's obviously you lose a game by, you know, two points, and you're talking yeah. about a four point swing right there, right? So maybe that does make the difference. And, and that's, but I think the hard thing is that as people bring that up, but, like, yeah, that one I think is fair. The yeah. other ones were a 4th and 7, a 4th and 15, a 4th yeah, and 12, and a 4th and 13. Yeah, you So it's kick. not like he had a lot of tough analytical choices where it's like, oh, the book's saying go for it, and he's, you know, puckering up and not going for it. Like, although I'm going not su- for it in those situations. I'm not surprised at all with Giff. Giff definitely seems to me like an old-school football coach. I'm going to do it my way, and we're going to kind of get the points. We're, we're going to do the old-school field position type of football. That's what Giff I like meant. Giff, man. I yeah, like Giff. He, He's a legit guy. He's 100% transparent. Every single player has been like, hey, this is a guy that's given to the right pick. I think it's where I'm going to tell you the truth. Like ownership wants us to win. We're going to go out there and do everything we can to win. He also said, said if you're not doing what you're doing, you're getting pulled off the field. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. He said that in the press conference. Hey, if you're, you're not doing it, I don't care who you are. You're getting yanked. That's a message. That's a message saying, Hey, you know, I'm the new sheriff in town. You know, the buck stops with me. I'm, I'm going to be the guy that's going to be watching your effort. And one, one of the things I'm not going to accept is low effort and if you're you're providing that then you're going to get off off my field period and no one to their credit gave him that chance to do that, i agree right? he, said, he said that no one in the you know he seen he said that everyone gave good enough effort nobody was pulled for those reasons but 
there's no nothing wrong with saying that's out there, right? Like, right. And I think that's the thing with Brandon Staley so much is he got caught in between wanting to say my game plan is good enough and also blaming on ex- execution instead yeah. of just playing it fair and just be like, like, hey, these guys didn't step up. Like, if you're going to call them out, call them out, right? Yeah. Have some accountability. Have some accountability right. in public with the media, right? And do it that way if just you're going to do it that way. But you yeah. can't have it both ways. You have to right. say you'd be willing to bench someone. And what it seemed like is some of the favorites that he has – we're kind of impervious to getting benched. And yet in the first game of Giff Smith, you see someone even as important as Derwin James playing a limited role. Nobody's off the, you know, off limits. But yeah, the one thing I was disappointed with Giff Smith, though, was not seeing some of the young players, especially on defense. Hey, he said they were going to go out there and try to win the last three games. It's hard for me to say he's wrong after the performance they had, right? They're going out there yeah. and going to scratch and claw and try to get a win and, and draft position be damned, right? But yeah. I really would have wished we saw Dayon Henley or JT Woods who got a combined zero snaps defensively, and one of them was a healthy scratch. Uh, the making JT Woods a, a healthy scratch is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, unacceptable to me. I don't understand it. I mean, there's got to be things going on I mean, I think it's very damning, man. I, yeah, I, like, it is. That's it's the extremely. other thing is it's like, how bad are you? Right. And, and obviously yeah. this is all subjective, but that's sure. kind of how I took it. Right. Where it's like he wasn't on the injury report, came off the non-football on this list a couple of weeks ago. But like how damning are these practice sessions with JT Woods? How far away does he look right to where he's not even going to be on the field in meaningless games like this? Right. Yeah. Day on Henley, I feel less so because the two starters are still there. Right. Yeah. But like you can mess around with the DBs. You can create sub packages there, you know, or packages where seemingly his skill set would work. Yeah, but man, that is looking like another really, really wayward third round pick for Tom Telesco, right? In the same draft that he took Trey McKitty, like that's just that's pretty incredibly damning. That that guy, you know, two third round picks, one of them can't sniff the field in meaningless games, another one's cut. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, according to the the broadcast, the ownership said that they don't want to see any of the young players that they are legitimately trying to win. And it's kind of sad that that's part of the messaging, but I understand it from from ownership perspective. But I would have much rather have seen what Dayon Henley had to offer. Because it's hard for me to imagine that ownership said like, hey, JT Woods can't play or Dayon Henley can't play. Like right. you can take gifts, miss word that those guys don't give them the best chance to win. And we don't know because they're not playing. Right. But right. at this point, though, it's like Kenneth Murray still has had a few bad games. Like even by most standards, he's an average to below average linebacker. Like yeah. Eric Kendrick's had some rough games mm. like Whoever they've had next to Alohi Gilman, even when it's not Derwin James, has been rough. So, like, there's just – you can be trying to win and also still find some snaps for some of these guys, at least special team snaps for JT Woods, man. I mean, oh, yeah. the guy's super athletic, but obviously could never tackle. And it seems like that probably hasn't gotten any better. And there's another yeah. thing we had talking about with Quentin Johnston because it's starting to feel like we may never get that breakout game. We never may never get that game that makes us feel a lot better about that draft pick. And we're going to save that for tomorrow because tomorrow is buy or sell with the biggest charger storylines and overreactions. And also talk about the article from Chris Brim of The Athletic that kind of outlines the downfall of Brandon Staley and where things kind of went so sideways. And so make sure you guys don't miss it. Go subscribe or follow for free on Locked on Chargers YouTube channel and listen wherever you get your podcasts from, as well as finding on all of our social media. You can find us on Twitter at Locked on LAC, on Instagram at Locked on Chargers, and our Locked on Chargers Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drugmeyer on Twitter at DroTalk. SD. But Merry Christmas to everyone. Appreciate you guys checking out the show today. The content will continue every day through the rest of the year. So make sure you guys are back tomorrow talking about buy or sell. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.